0: Good evening, folks. That's a that's a serious uh, intro we got going there tonight. Uh, uh, welcome tonight to the uh, Sioux Sports. Uh, we're we're live here tonight with uh, Kyle Byler, the uh, Greyhounds uh, Eastern Ontario scout. Uh, he was with us a few weeks ago. Uh, we thought we'd bring him back to talk with the draft approaching. Uh, now that we have a draft order, uh, we want to see what uh, what he thinks of it and give us some names and talk about some Sioux guys and we'll ask him a couple of questions. Uh, we have Tony Bonifero. With us again as usual and uh, bono if you want to start take it away
1: sure kyle thanks for joining us how you doing today bud
2: good man it's good to be back
1: exciting time of year for you guys i assume this is kind of what you uh what you guys are built for right
2: yeah it, it's exciting in a way that like we're doing it almost in a bit of a compressed schedule right like we weren't really sure how it was going to go but like we've been watching film all year so and we've kind of had a lot of a lot of game reports already so it's not like we're, we're caught completely off guard by this but it's uh it's kind of fun though, but it's different, right? Like we don't get to kind of hang out and listen to words of wisdom from Nick DeLaPenta or anything like that, but it's, uh, it's pretty good. So, well, we get it through zoom. It's not the same thing, but it's okay.
1: So what I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, a lot of, t- uh, I'm not sure if people realize what happened this year with the OHL draft and how they figured it out. So, you know, obviously they just did uh, they just did an, a lottery in the OHL. Um, every team had an equal shot at getting a high pick and getting the first overall pick. And, uh, you know, the balls really didn't fall. It is a snake order draft, but, you know, the balls really didn't fall in the Greyhounds' favour too much. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, the process, kind of your thoughts behind it? Were you okay with it? Would you like to see something different?
2: Yeah, like, like obviously, uh, I, think, I think it was a fair process. I think it was really the only thing they could do um and, and in a way it kind of generated a little excitement of the league too after some bad news after the season being shut down it generated a lot of excitement i thought like every kid i've talked to in an interview so far has been like hey that was awesome that was really cool it was just like the nhl draft lottery it was it was fun yeah. um so i i think that was the only way like to, to, to make it fair and then i guess the snake order is kind of neat like i do with some fantasy hockey drafts and uh it's just the same thing you're like every time I look at it I'm like you want to be first or last right so you get back-to-back picks and yeah. the way it goes but uh like for us like just it, yeah it didn't fall the way we wanted in terms of like draft order and like just watching it like as a fan you kind of like my, my kids were wearing their jerseys and everybody was around the tv all pumped up about it and then we didn't really get a chance to get excited about it it's like okay yeah. Barry goes you're like yes we're in it and then dude it was done yeah and then uh because we own Windsor's second round pick so we were kind of like the 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 best play would have been for us to pick early and Windsor to pick pick late, so we'd maximize like get two picks in the top twenty five. And as Windsor just wasn't going, like it was just it was a devastating wave of emotions in my household. Like my kids are crying and they're screaming. They're like, "We're not going to get any good players." I'm like, "We'll be fine. Like don't worry about it." But it was uh it was a neat it was a neat thing, and I, I think like I said, it brought a little excitement to the league. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, it's true. You and I were uh, texting back and forth a little bit throughout that, and you know, it was obvious that, uh, you know, it was really unfortunate. It was kind of the opposite of what we were hoping for, owning Windsor's uh, second-round pick. Going into the draft, though, this year, obviously not being able to see a lot of these kids. You know, obviously, you usually the top-tier people know who the top-tier kids are, right? What's your take on this draft? How difficult is it going to be not being able to see these kids play? And you know, do you think that you guys can still get a really uh, impactful player late in the first round?
2: Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. I think uh, it, we can definitely get somebody at eighteen who's going to be a really good player uh, for this franchise and kind of hopefully set up to be a star in the CCA Marie for the next couple of years. Certainly, um, I, I think it's de- it's definitely been more difficult. Like Bono, you and I have talked before uh, that it's 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 tough not being in the in the ranked to scout. Like it's. The, like video is great you can get different angles at it but it, there's nothing like being in the rank or you see a player and you're like okay i really want to focus on that kid's stride or what he does away from the puck or he made a really smart play there but then you've got a camera guy who's just following the puck right so what does he do after he makes that breakout pass or does he drive middle but the camera's all screwed up so like i know these aren't professional camera guys they're not working on hockey day in canada but it's yeah. it, it's 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 great that we're able to do this like this had happened, like, happened, say when when i was a kid like i don't know how anybody would get drafted right like they would just be all right well i just who knows who and who was really good in bantam and then and go from there so i i think it's we're lucky in a way that we we do have some video and have something to go on um we're fortunate enough that like some of our scouts do do quite a bit of bantam scouting as well so um, like if if a kid is is an elite level player in bantam like it's, it's not always a surefire thing that he's going to be a superstar in minor midget because a lot of kids kind of peak around Christmas, I find, in the minor midget year and then just take off. And then you'll see guys just climb the draft list uh, from there. But at least he, you have a strong background of kind of how that player was. He put up a lot of points. Like if he was a goal scorer in Bantam, are he's probably going to translate into a goal scorer in minor midget. So yeah. um, I think I think we, we've prepared ourselves enough to kind of be ready for a draft like this. And, and I think it's been good. So I think we're ready. So.
1: So you kind of answered my next question, but what I was going to ask you is, you know, is this, what would you say to people who said, hey, this year's draft is a crapshoot?
2: Well, I, I just, I just think that's, that's, that's an easy way out, right? Like yeah. it's, it, it's like the onus would be like, if, if we didn't want to put any work into it, we're like, ah, whatever, it'll, it'll just work out and maybe we'll get a mulligan on it. Then yeah. do you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's an easy thing to say, well, it's a crapshoot, but um, the tools are there. If you want to research, you want to call coaches, you want to you want to do a lot of background, uh, like nose to the grindstone type work. I think that's that you can get You can get you can find players. You can see stuff on video um, like these kids all play spring hockey. Right. And they play on uh, different spring leagues. And those have all been televised. And like so like th- there's there's ways to find video. There's ways to kind of find out about guys. I think this is where like kids that have agents will really show their value. Um, a lot of agents are sending us directly, like direct video to, uh, to the GMs, to the, to the scouts directly agents that I know are calling me. They're like, you gotta really got to take a look at like this kid. I'm like, well, I haven't seen enough of them. They'll send us video. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's really good. Like, like a lot of times too, like you, you get a you get a highlight film. Um, no, one's really going to put that highlight film where you, where your sauce one up the middle and they put yeah. it in the back of your net. Right. So <laughs> like, you kind of be like, all right, it looks pretty good in the highlight film, but like um so i'll watch it just to kind of get like a glimpse of the highlights but like, oh, was a wicked shot you know what i mean but it's it's there's other times where you're like n- nothing beats like watching the actual game because the game's not perfect the game's not a science it's not like doing a drill and uh it's very unpredictable so i think that's that's kind of what i like but I, I think other guys benefit from it and i think it's if you if you're willing to put the work in it's not really just a crapshoot year i think you can actually you can do a lot of damage in it and the way I think it is, like, if the, the, the teams that really do a good job at this, I think you'll be able to show, like, the guys who end up getting signed and not playing the league, and maybe some of the guys will be wanting the mulligan on a crapshoot year.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, one other question. So I know you're not the Sault Ste. Marie scout, so, um, you know, but obviously I know that you do – uh, you watch a lot of video and you know a lot about a lot of different kids. So I do want to ask you about the the kid, the group of kids coming out of Sault Ste. Marie. Um, there was a list that was just released with uh, ranking of 500 draft eligible kids. And the Sioux team here had seven kids on that list, which was, you know, it's been making some news up here. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what you think of the Sioux kids? If there's anyone that really stands out, kind of just just your overall thoughts on that.
2: Um, yeah, like the, I got no problem with that. And I, I think, uh, like a credit is to, to, to you guys for, for broadcasting those games and doing play by play and like adding a little bit of color to it as well. You know what I mean? Like it, sometimes you're just watching video and there's no noise at all. And you're like, it, it can be really hard to watch. So I thought you guys did a great job with that. And I think the kids and the parents and certainly the coaches on that staff appreciated the work you guys did for that. So, a uh, little bit of a plug for your play by play career guys. Um, but, uh, Overall, like, like, like I think the Sioux got, got a pretty good team this year, and I think it would have been really interesting to watch them play in the, the Great North League. I, like I think, I think Foster's a really dynamic player. I think he's got a lot of skill. Um, kid, I really liked uh, in a couple of the games that I watched. Was a, was a smaller player, uh, Zambaro. Uh, Zambaro, I think his name is. Yeah, I thought he was really good. He was feisty. Um, the Fellinger uh, kids were very good as well. So um, I, I think like anytime you get named to a list of 500, like. Um, I, I think it, I think it's it's reason to be exciting and excited about it, and I think there's uh, there's some credit to it as well. So um, I, I thought I thought it was a I, I, I think it's a pretty good team, and like I said, it's, it's it's tough to see just an inner squad, and then I saw the one game against Nickel City, but um, overall, I thought I thought it was pretty good.
1: I really appreciate you saying that. You know, because when we uh, you know when we're doing these games, we often wonder if anybody's watching, right, or if anybody's listening, right, and especially for an exhibition game about that. Um, can you just talk about your thoughts on, you know, kind of obviously Jay's been doing this with Sioux Sports for a while, but, you know, you mentioned the video. Do you think that that helps a lot? And do you think that's something that you'd like to see incorporated a little bit more um, in other leagues?
2: Um, absolutely. I think, uh, I think if you're going to coach major hockey now, um, if I'm an association that's looking to hire you, and uh, I don't think I'll ever be working in an association side of it, uh, yeah. but... If I'm an association looking to hire a midget coach, I think that should be part of the prerequisite now. Like we don't know if we're going to get another virus like this. We don't know if we're going to get another shutdown. Um, We don't like, I hope it never happens again. We can all go back into the rink and just watch hockey like we normally do. But um, I think uh, when I certainly coached minor midget, we've videotaped every game um, and I would break it down on the bus as I went into work in the morning and then send clips to individual players. So I had every game saved um yes it was just off an ipad that a parent shot but at least it was it was good video i could slow it down i could i could zoom in i could show a bunch of different clips um and it was just the way that like if anybody asked me i could i could promote it and then i had some players that uh, were interested in ncaa and asked for a highlight package so i put that together they could send off to schools and Mm -hmm. um, different things so i I think it's i think it's it's going to be a requirement for coaches now and if not you need to maybe put it in your budget to to buy a good camera or yeah. pay you guys to do it, let's say, and in uh, broadcast. Because I think the more exposure you can give the, your, your players, the better it is. And um, certainly with today's tools, I don't think there's any uh, any excuse to to, to to not do it, in my opinion.
1: It's funny, you know, you're talking about your midget. Before I send it over to Jim here, you know, you're talking about coaching and midget and, you know, sending putting uh, tapes together for people and things like that. And we've talked to Jamie Henderson and things like that. And, you know, I think... From an outsider looking in, you know, we just think, oh, midget coach or just a coach, right? But then we, you know, when you talk like that, it's just the amount of time, the amount of effort, you know, just, oh, I just put together a highlight package. (laughs) Like, it's no big deal, right? And, you know, like that's got to be hours worth of work that people don't even realize or that you don't get credit for, right?
2: Yeah, and I think that's a little bit of the misconception about coaching hockey. These things yeah. show up, run the circles a couple times, and bag skate them if they lose, and yeah. um, sticks in the middle of scrimmage at the end. But no, there's a lot that goes into it, and uh, it almost becomes a bit of a way of life, right? Like like you're you're literally just watching all the time. Like you're trying to find ways to make make your team better. You have like a little bit of a passion for it. So uh, like I don't know. Like I think it's it, it's it, it, it's part of it, right? So it's. Uh, it's definitely something that like, like I took pride in, um, and it like helped me prepare for other teams. Like I would just sit there and, uh, try to like break down what other teams do just using the game film, help our team out a little bit and be like, Hey, this is why we get we got scored on, on this penalty kill. Yeah. Um, this is why our breakout was, wasn't working. We need to work on it. So it's just about making your team better. And, uh, I think anybody that takes like a midget, the coaching job, like I'm sure, uh, Jamie would agree. Like, it's, it's more or less like a, like a way of life for the whole season, right? Like you're, you're not showing up to the rank five minutes before or anything like that. You're there about an hour before you're there 45 minutes after to talk to anybody that wants to talk about your players. And um, you take quite a bit of pride in like the guys that you end up getting, getting drafted or even the ones that don't like, uh, like you, like you, there's just a couple of kids that I still talk to and they're like, that was the best year ever. Like, yeah. It was great. We had a, remember when we did this or, like this happened in this tournament like that's that's the best part about right and like that's these kids kind of missed out on that minor midget year a little bit too like playing games like the ohl Cup, like the top players are playing that team noha um and like playing in front of like 200 scouts like black jackets and like it's just i remember as a as a coach looking up in the stands and me i like this is nuts like i don't even know how these kids are doing it and then like you're expecting them to perform and not make mistakes and it's just like uh I, I think it's pretty neat but yeah it's it's just a way of life right like it's 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 something i love to do and um maybe someday i'll get to do it again and even like when i'm coaching novice now like i'll go over practice plans and be like this isn't working why isn't this working and not that it it's at to that same level but it's just yeah. it's the same kind of passion right
1: that's awesome um I'm going to ask you about another local kid. He uh, he didn't play locally this year. Again, I know I, and I realize I'm putting you on the spot. So if uh, you know if, if you don't know much about the player, that's fine. But Dawson Wilson, um, obviously a, a well-known kid here in St. Marie, uh, you know, pretty decent hockey player, had a pretty decent career. Like you know, obviously there's lots of hope that he's going to get drafted this year. But I'm just not sure if you know much about him or if you scouted him at all
2: uh unfortunately I don't, I don't have a lot to comment on right now to be honest yeah. with you so okay um, yeah again i know um, I'm putting if, you, on the spot, if yeah. you guys got video like i know jay said <laughs> in the chat yeah. he's got video send him over like we yeah. said that some time before the draft and uh like i said i'm I'm working through i've watched i've watched like a pile of teams but i haven't seen everybody yet and uh normally in a normal year i'd be like yeah this is like 100 percent of the report on them but uh I, I can't give you a read on them just yet. Absolutely, so. no problem. If, if you have video, I'll watch it and I'll let yeah. you guys know by the end of the week. 100 sounds good. All right, Jim, hey. go
0: ahead. Hey, Cal. Yeah, Jay, Jay has video on uh, on Dawson, so I think he'll probably send it to you. Okay, I'm gonna uh, ask you a little bit of a not a controversial question because it's not not on you. Uh, Jack Matier, local boy, uh, successful. Just he had a good season this first year in Ottawa. Uh, he he won recently won a gold medal at the uh, at the big tournament there uh, passed on by the Sioux Greyhounds and he ended up going to Ottawa. I know he's very happy in Ottawa. His family's very happy. I, I know that the hounds like, like Holmes too. They're happy with the pick there. Uh, can you just talk about, you know, is there talk about what you know about Mateer, if his name came up a little bit in the draft room and, uh, if there's extra pressure to, to pick a local player and if that factors into the draft at all.
2: Um, yeah. And then I, I think that's probably a fair question that's going around town right now, but, uh, I, I think it's, in in another way, it's a bit unfair to compare the players too, right? Like, it's, like, we don't necessarily know who's going to have the better OHL career, or, um, that sort of thing, And but uh, I just think, like, in terms of, of Holmes for us, he checked a couple more boxes than Mathieu did at the time, and that's not a slight against Mathieu, it was just we had to make a call at a certain point, and um, perhaps if we were picking the same spot as Ottawa, we'd be making the same same selection, and I don't necessarily think there's a there's no bias towards like like uh, Sioux players or anything like that like you saw in the in the third round this this past draft we selected connor toms and um all things being equal he was much higher on our list and um it wasn't necessarily because he was a local player but when it rolled around to that third round pick it was it was almost a no-brainer we're like okay we're gonna we're taking him with this selection and we're very happy to get a local player who's gonna put on that hounds logo like like I grew up, I grew up in that city, and and there's literally nothing that I ever wanted to do more than 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 wear that jersey and go into that dressing room. And um, I kind of I kind of get that feeling a little bit of being a little kid when I put on my golf shirt with the logo on it, even though it's not quite the same extent. But I still kind of and like I know like like some of the guys bug me all the time. They're like, "Quit fanboying around the rink." Like you're just like 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 a kid that gets a dressing room tour. Do you know what I mean? But it's uh, it's 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 the same kind of passion. And I can imagine every kid that grows up there that loves to play there, like. I uh, would love to play there. Like I know when you spoke to Cole McKay a couple weeks ago, like he, he mentioned the same thing. Like he knows the fans could be tough. He knows it could be a tough environment, but um, just to play in the rank and like just play for the Greyhounds is, is, is a dream come true. So I, I think for Tom's that certainly worked out for him and uh, for, for Mater, it wasn't a slate against him. It wasn't any kind of bias. Like we didn't like him, that sort of thing. Like he was, he was in our conversations uh, at that point, but I, uh, at, and especially in your first round pick, you you want to take the the best player that you think will help your franchise win hockey games, right? Like, um, we could draft a whole team of local guys, but if we miss the playoffs every year, I think I'll be out of a job and a couple other guys too, right? So, um, I think it's we we want we want to win, and um, I think if if you give it give it time, I think like people will, will start to appreciate how good Holmes is going to be. Like from all accounts, he's he's bigger, stronger, faster, and when he hits the ice next year, um, like people are going to love him. He's going to be that. I think he'll be that number one option on the power play. He's got that big cannon of a shot. So um, maybe maybe in a couple of years, we'll be having a different conversation. We'll be like, yeah, you know what? That was a pretty good pick. Like, here was a star for the 67s and Holmes is a star for the Greyhounds. It worked out for everybody, right? And and that's kind of, I think, like the ideal situation. And like like Bono, I know certainly, like if you wanted to talk about a couple of local guys in the past that you ripped on, um, I can name names if you want, just through Facebook, but it's, it's just okay. like, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's tough, right? Like if you're a local guy, like your mistakes are magnified a little bit more. Like you, you throw it around the boards and a bad bounce goes to the middle. will be like, you should have known that bounce was there. You've been playing there since you were eight years old. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's tough to be the local boy too. And things don't go your way, but uh, I'm glad it's working out for material. I was ha- really happy to see him win the, the gold medal along with every other member of team Canada. And uh, certainly I, I think like, like, like I'm sure Holmes is in consideration for that team as well. Right. So like that's that's what I have to think. And I think I think he would, he would have been in the, in the running as well. So however it works out, however they make a team, it was, it's great to see them win. And I was really happy for material like he's yeah. he, I think he's billeted not too far from my house here. So it's it's happy to see like, I see him around the neighborhood playing basketball with the local kids and stuff. So it's great.
0: Yeah, and I, and I want to be clear, I, I just asked the question because it's a, it's a popular topic around the Sioux. I I'm not trying to I insult the pick. I'm not insulting the, the player Holmes at all. I, I just asked the question because it's a, it's a topic here. And uh, I know the Matier family is very happy in Ottawa. And his, his mom would tell you, and, and he actually told us himself, uh, he wouldn't trade it for the world. He loves Ottawa. So. But come the, on draft day, you know you got cooper foster say for example and i don't necessarily mean that exact player but i'll use him for an example uh in the draft room take us into the draft room will there be discussion about the fact that he's a local boy does that play into the, the decision at all is it a little easier to do the homework on him because he's local uh, just talk me through that a little bit
2: yeah so so like we have a meeting at eight o'clock tonight uh it's probably like our third or fourth meeting now for 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 draft prep, and we have a couple this week, and we'll have a couple the, the following week leading into the draft. Um So yeah, no, we we certainly like we we talk about the local kids a lot. Um, Nick DeLapanta is the biggest cheerleader for anybody in Northern Ontario, and um, he will make sure that if anybody is consider within consideration, should they should be talked about um and often and and deservedly so, right? Like 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 I talked about earlier, it's it's great to have the local kids on the team. And I think like, like you have Cole McKay on the team now, and Con- Connor conn being on the team like the following year. I think it's great to keep that local element as well. Right. But um, yeah, so he'll, de- he'll definitely be in consideration. We'll, we'll know about the local guys. Um, it's just, it's, it- it's where the list pans out. It's where we value different players. And I'm like, I could, without getting into too much trouble, I think, I think if all things are considered equal or even close to equal between a couple of players, a local player will probably be considered, but it's, just down to what the whole scouting staff evaluates and ultimately um, where the decision finally lies and just what the best player for the franchise would be.
1: And it's funny, sorry, Jim, just real quick, just to kind of piggyback on that point, Kyle, I think a a player like Cooper Foster, right, is a really hard player to really get a grasp on where he could go. I mean, there was talk last year of him being, you know, up potentially a second-round pick, late first-round pick, you know but then you read some of the things now and they're talking you know fifth sixth round potentially right or, or even you know and you know because there was no season this year so it's just so hard to tell right and you don't know where that draft board's gonna fall and and that's kind of where i was talking earlier on about the crapshoot you, you you sincerely don't know how teams value certain players
2: right or, or what access they have to video or yeah. how much homework they've done right or like maybe they've they've really liked guys from like uh like I know a lot of agents have been running showcase skates in different areas where like they're were in the green zone or they were able to run these skates and parents were told they weren't allowed to go into the arenas and we were able to go in so it's uh it was a good opportunity to evaluate some talent as well but like you don't know and that's just the thing right like and right now and sitting in 18 you're trying to you're trying to call as many people as possible to find out who's picking who and like like where where are the orders going to be and um, that sort of thing is a little bit of games before games whereas last year we really didn't have to do that too much picking at four um, but it's it's I'm pretty comfortable with it now because of the success of the Greyhounds we, we've been pick, picking late most of the time right in the first round so like sometimes like 21st, 20, 18 like I, I'm pretty comfortable with picking late but it's uh it's kind of it, it'll be fun the next couple of weeks just kind of see like where guys go and like there's always one or two surprises where, like, a team will really have it say something like a big body or big size or something sure. that we we may not, and be like, "Oh, well, that was different than what our list was." And there's always a couple of players that we end up getting potentially later that we may have really high on our list, like say in the top 25. Maybe we're getting them in like third or fourth round. So it's, yeah. uh, I find it's well, always guess... a bit of a crapshoot, but it's it's yeah. it, it's certainly could could be a big wild card on draft day this year.
0: I'm gonna put you on the spot here again uh, before I hand it over to Bono. uh, I assume that at some point in your life uh, you played hockey with uh, Tony Bonifero. Uh, can you give me a scouting report on Bono, and uh, if if he was eligible for this draft, would you be uh, banging on the table for the Hounds to pick him or no? Um,
2: certainly, I played against. I I remember playing against him. He uh, he was in the in the Pee Wee program, if I remember, and I was in the what now defunct SRHA, uh, and. I literally would stay away from Tony Bonifero as much as I could. Like he was the same size now as he was like when he was nine years old. He was that big. And I remember when the head checking penalty came out, he was the easiest guy in the world to play against because like all he wanted to do was call a head checks. So he would skate near Bono, fall down, and like arm up four minutes head check. He, like like he led the league in penalty minutes. So he didn't throw one body check all year. But uh, Bono was a very good player though. But like his size definitely helped him. Um, I'd be banging the table at a certain point for Bono. Maybe, maybe yeah. not early, but there, there, there'd be a point for him for sure. He's a good, he's a good guy in the room too, right? Like you yeah. can't, he can't yeah, break those intangibles.
1: Yeah, he's a good guy in the room. I see Eric Carrier, an old buddy of ours that uh, you know oh. we used to we played uh, quite a few games with Eric and Jason. Uh, you know, commenting. So what's up, Eric? Good to see you too, bud. Yeah, good um, to see you, buddy. Yeah, oh, that's great. So one thing too, Kyle. That uh, I was kind of thinking about this a little bit, the, listening to you talk, and uh, this is more specific. But you know, obviously, with with different teams play different systems, right? So, do you find as a scout, do you find it frustrating watching players uh, play in a system because it's harder to get a read on their game, or is that like how do you differentiate between, hey, this is a good player? just you know not really working in this system or he could be better in a different system. Does that have a lot of say in how you guys scout?
2: Um yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think early in my scouting career, I, I would do a lot of just ripping other minor midget coaches because I was I had done it in the past. <laughs> and like you'd get to guys that would play the trap or the 1-3-1 one, one or dump a lot of yeah. pucks in and you're just like, "Listen, I'm trying to evaluate whether your player is going to attack off the rush like stop dumping pucks in." Um, so I think earlier in my career, I found it like a lot more frustrating that like when you would scout teams that didn't play the way we did. Um, and so you're like, you're like trying to make a, like an interpretation, whether they could fit into your system. But I think the more you learn how to evaluate, like, like, like the player's actual tools, uh, and their hockey IQ. So if they make a great decision within their system, you can evaluate that as a good hockey decision, right? Like, and then that should be translatable into a different hockey system, like, um, I was getting this argument with guys in novice. They're like like we this year we had split ice. So we had like two teams at 10. And there's one team in particular, like they would work on breakout and defensive zone coverage. And I was just like, okay, we're gonna do all skating and crossovers right. and like stick handles and um so by like the end of the year, like they wouldn't even touch the puck at the end of when we do scrimmages against them because I found that they wasted a year of development. Whereas like I think systems are like you watch the Team Canada guys, like they played a different system that I think everybody was was used to they showed up there here's your if they're skilled enough they can adapt to a system yeah. so i think uh, like skill development is paramount so once i started to kind of get away from being like i'm a better coach than that guy or that guy okay, runs a terrible system it was a lot easier for me to just focus on the actual tools and the intangibles of the player and if he makes great decisions with it like i think he's got good hockey since then he's following the system and he's listening to his coach and um so yes and no like it's great to see them play the same way as our. okay this is awesome they play the way we play we can do it that way
1: but I want to talk a little bit before uh, we get into the NHL quickly. I just wanted to talk about the uh, the import draft. The Greyhounds kind of got really lucky there, you know, uh, with the fourth overall pick. I believe is that right? In the I import, believe it,
2: I, I believe it's sixth
1: or six. Sorry, six. I knew it was high. How do you guys scout import players? How does that whole process work? I've always been fascinated by that. You know, there's, you know, you look over there and there's you know, so many different countries, so many different players, right? How do you guys scout and, and kind of who runs that, uh, that aspect?
2: Um, well, the most of that is, 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 is the GM's job to be perfectly, um, per- perfectly honest with you. Um, a lot of that happens. Um, Jay, I just saw your question. I'll get to it in a second. Uh, so a lot of that happens essentially like, at the NHL draft and at that U18 tournament, to be to be perfectly honest with you, so like there's a lot of evaluation, and then like at the NHL draft, those European agents are usually there, right? Um, okay. So, like, as a staff, like, I've been fortunate enough to go to the draft for the 99 age group in Chicago, and uh, you see a lot of, like, conversations happening with, like, agents and guys promoting other guys, and it's the same sort of deal, like, you need to see video on this guy. You talk to somebody who knows this guy, who knows a different guy, who knows that guy's agent, so um, I'm not really too, too sure how all these import drafts uh, come together and how Kyle has time to evaluate it, but uh, certainly, I, I like... I think he's done an awesome job evaluating yeah. imports in the past couple of years. And the fact that yeah. he gets to pick this early, I think could be, uh, this could be a massive win. Like after a day where we thought the lottery was completely against us and, um, to have like a, a number sixth overall pick, I think that we could end up getting with another impact player of the organization, like bringing in guys like Sandine in the past and like Pitlick, I thought was an excellent player on the OHL. Malik is a very good goaltender as well. So like his, certainly his track record for bringing guys in has been really, it's been really good. So, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what it does, but um, long winded answer that I don't really know, but I know there's a lot of like that NHL drafts important for that. So there's a lot of guys that like talk and there's a lot of meetings that go on behind the scenes. And I was just there to kind of hang out in Chicago.
1: Before you answer Jay's question. And again, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but we already have two pretty impactful imports, right? So this has been a little bit of talk here in the Sioux as well. What, you know, what good is that pick if you already have two, you know, very valuable, high-end p- import players right now.
2: Um Yeah, so like I don't, I don't know what the status is with either of them. So yeah. I, I know there was uh, like potentially one of them may not be coming back, but I don't know which one. So like I haven't asked that question. That's a ball, no, of, my, a ball yeah. well of my plate. one of them's league.
0: not coming back.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, so I believe Pitlick signed uh, yeah, pro Pitlick's in, the, in the Finnish league. So. Oh okay. um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if that was common knowledge or not, but uh, like I saw it on Twitter, so I'm not sure. Yeah, um, But sure. so if he's not coming back, then we can make that six, that six, yeah. six overall selection, and then maybe we yeah. just pass at 66, right? Like, like, Yeah. And if we have Malik and, say, a sixth overall impact player, like maybe that M- Matt Bay-Mitchkoff guy is sticking around or something like that or something yeah. like him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's eligible for another year, but like, yeah. if you get a player like that who come in and be a game-breaker, like certainly adding that to your franchise's sixth overall import draft pick is almost just as good as picking like in the top five in the regular draft. That's right. um, Jay, on your U18 question, uh, the U18 draft is pretty well done the same way. Um, so we'll watch midget throughout the year as we do minor midget. And I think um, certainly the kids that play on teams, like uh, the Ottawa plays in the league, plays in the U18 loop as well as like, um, like the Sioux will play in the play a U18, U18 team as well. So like we can kind of get two birds with one stone at the same time. So I can see a lot of guys that, play midget hockey and be eligible in that midget draft um also like our scout mike mackley who does the eta area he watches a lot of midget hockey so like he, he's on it and a lot of guys are plugged in they'll watch midget and i think we've had pretty good success finding players in midget um in recent history like like maddie valalta came in the year before the midget draft and uh sure, certainly that was a pretty good free agent pickup right like I think that one panned out pretty good. So it's mm-hmm. you, you, you kind of got to watch for everybody. And if you can find that free player without having to give up an asset, I think that's just a massive win for your team. So um, certainly it's something we, 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 we take great pride in. And the kids who get selected in it, I think they should be proud too because they had a great second year playing midget and they got an opportunity to come into OHL camp. So um, I, th- I think there's a lot of value to it.
1: So put you on the spot one more time here obviously positions are a huge deal right and I know you don't want to say too much probably but you know obviously I have to ask the question uh is there kind of a position that you guys are focusing on in the draft this year that you'd like to kind of shore up a little bit with with the losses and and with the way things are going is there a certain uh, direction you guys are looking
2: um I I wouldn't overly say so it's, it's usually best player available and in yeah. best fit right like Um, obviously like we took two defensemen in a row, uh, with O'Rourke and Holmes. And then, uh, we took McConnell Barker last year. Um, so, so maybe another forward, but maybe another D like, like, I don't know. I just, I just think you can't have enough good defensemen at times too. And then, yeah, like just the way the Hounds play, if you have more like elite forwards that can play with speed that come at you in waves off the rush, like it's very hard to defend, right? Like it's just, it's, it's steady. Like you watch like a couple of years ago, like every line was a scoring thread when we went to the finals and. Like I know like keeps last year in the league, like I remember talking to you about it. being like, I wasn't even on staff then. And you were like just watching this team. You're like speed, big, speed, big, like fast. Like if they're small, they're fast and they're coming at you and it's just one after the other. So I think the way we play, if you just get a player that's going to fit within the mold really well, like I think it'll just be an asset going forward. So not yeah. like not really leading yeah. one way or the other just yet. We still got a bunch more meetings.
1: Yeah, us talking about that. Every time we talk about that or you bring that up, I, I mean, I'll think I'll remember this for the rest of my life a player like Zach Sinishan playing on the fourth line, <laughs> scoring, what do you have 30 <laughs> goals or something that year? Like, it was just yeah. unbelievable, right? Yeah, um, and then
2: he's a the first-round pick in the NHL draft yeah. coming off the fourth line. Like, yeah, I know.
1: It just it doesn't happen every day. I know. No, that's great. Um, yeah, and you know what, listening to you talk, o- O'Rourke is one of my favorite players I think the Greyhounds have drafted in the last, you know, 10 years. I love everything about his game. <laughs> and the way you're talking about Holmes, too, I think there's a lot of Greyhound fans really excited to see those two guys on the ice together. That's a, you know, that's a formidable pair. Arguably two of the best, uh, one of the best 1-2 D combinations in the OHL. Would you agree? Potentially?
2: I would say so. Like, I think like O'Rourke for sure, I think should be in consideration to play in the World Junior Team this year. Like, I know he was invited to camp last year and wasn't successful, but um, like, that's a guy that's really hard to play against. That's a guy that just knows how to win, right? Like, he was on those, he played up with those whippy teams that always won. He was in the finals of the OHL Cup in his draft year. Like he just, he just knows how to win, and he's a tough guy to play against. So I think that's why, like, he wears the C. I started wearing the C at a really young age, at 17 in the Hounds, right? Like, um, and then like Holmes would be the same thing. So I think that would be really good. And then if you if you add those, uh, if you add those uh, like those overagers potentially that could come back, you have Kalisti that could come back. You have Constantino. Like, like the blue line's in really good shape going exactly. forward. And then. Um, Bruce Zatowski, we just signed this week, he's season 03, but he's a really dynamic offensive defenseman. We got Tom's coming. Um, there's a couple other kids that are from that 03 draft that could make a push to make the team. Um, like I think like training camp's gonna be gonna be deadly. Like I think like people should come to watch it. You're allowed to watch coming into camp and watch, like it's gonna be a good camp because like there's a lot of spots there and there's a lot of good prospects waiting to come in. So I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So hopefully if COVID rules permit, we're a lot of people in the rank, and hopefully I get to come up too because I love training camp.
0: Cass, Hi, can you give us an update on? Uh, can you give us an update on McConnell Barker? I know you you didn't get to see him much this year, but uh, how did he spend his season? And uh, you know, uh, have an update on his progress and uh, or anything like that? Uh, I
2: don't. I don't have too much of an update. Like I know he was on like all the Zoom calls with the team, and uh, like the, he was he was on the ice privately at his home in London. So, um, so my understanding is that he, he used the year to get bigger, faster, stronger, and. Uh, he's 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 gonna be a lot of fun to watch like certainly with his skill set and where we coveted him in the draft like he was like he was one of our number one targets going into the draft like if we even were picking maybe second overall we probably would have drafted the same player so um potentially even first right like we we really liked him and we think it was gonna be a good fit like he's uh he's a tall center but if he puts on a little bit of strength and goes with his speed and is able to his ability to make plays at, at speed off the rush like he's gonna be really dangerous and i think come in the year, like as a bigger, stronger rookie now, like it's going to be, he's going to almost be able to make an impact right away. And will probably be his NHL draft year too. Right. So hopefully he has a great year.
1: Uh, I think there was a question there with players signing with the AHL teams for 2021. How confident are you that uh, they'll, that they'll come back or potentially stay? I don't even know if you can answer that, but it's a good question.
2: Well, like my understanding is, is that the, uh, the transfer agreement still holds true. So if, yeah. If you're under the age of 20 i don't then you're you're signed to an ohl contract as well i think you have to come back and play with your ohl team so these guys that are getting like uh like like atos and ptos and just and have the opportunity to play in the ahl i think it's awesome like, i think it's great like they're able to skate every day they can make a little bit of money um and like certainly we we weren't able to play this year or even practice right so i think it was a good opportunity for them but i'm not too worried about guys leaving unless they're in their overage year right and if that's the case then they and that's, that's always been their, their opportunity. Like you look at players like Bunting, who's had an awesome year. Like that, like the year after Keefe was gone, like Bannister's first year, we could have got Bunting back and a couple yeah. other guys. Right. Like it's always like those guys just were too good. Like they were developed too well. If like we lost McCann that year as well. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's another big piece. Like that team was, the team was okay. They upset Sarny in round one, but you can imagine how good they, like, they could have been with those two guys, just those two guys alone um, could have, could have been a major impacts.
1: Difference makers. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Kyle, I could talk to you all day. I know we all could. We all have so many questions and we really appreciate how candid you are with us. I mean, you know, you're, uh, you know, when, when, when you, every time you come on the show, people are very complimentary of, of, uh, of just your, the way you explain things and and kind of the way that you break things down, you give us a behind-the-scenes look, and it's really appreciated. So we thank you very much for that. The one thing I want to get you from you before we let you go, because I know you got to prep for your eight o'clock meeting. You know, NHL playoffs are starting. We did an NHL preview show a couple week or a couple days ago. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the NHL playoffs this year? And uh, give us your pick for your Stanley Cup uh, your Stanley Cup champion this year.
2: Um. I don't know, like like watching watching the games last night, like that Florida game was awesome, like it, that was amazing. It was great to see fans in the stands. Like, um, like I don't, know, I, I I'm a pretty diehard Leafs fan, so like I would love to see them. Kind of like I think they'll, I think they'll dust the the Habs. Knock on wood that we don't have any Carey Price miracles happening here, but I think they'll get through. And then uh, who doesn't want to see McDavid play Matthews in a series right now, right? Like I think that would, that could be an unbelievable second round. And then, um, but ultimately, I think like. I like wonder maybe your 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 bigger American teams might be the ones that pull it off. Like I think Colorado would be a really tough out in the playoffs. Like Tampa Bay with their like like nineteen million over salary cap team that's rolling in. If they get if they don't get beat up by Florida in round one, it's it's amazing to see what Florida's <laughs> doing without Ekblad too. Like 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 Quenville has got to be in consideration for the next Olympic team head coaching job, just the job he's done with Florida, right? And especially using an impact player like Ekblad. So I think that'll be it. Um But, like, I think that would be – I think whoever wins that Florida series, maybe Colorado, maybe Vegas, and then, like, I'm pulling for Toronto coming out of the north, like, that
1: would be – I think that would be really good. So, So, you know, it's funny because on our show I kind of talked a little bit about this was, you know, this Leafs team reminds me a lot of the Greyhound team with, like, Nick Ritchie and D'Angelo and those types of things. And it's almost like the same moves that Dubas made with the Greyhounds, you know, taking a guy like Nick Ritchie – you know, he made this year, picking up a guy like Felino, right? And then what ended up happening, you know, McDavid just crushed us and we couldn't we couldn't get past McDavid. So I'm really curious to see the adjustments if Keith makes any adjustments this year, because, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of controversy here in the Sioux that, you know, Keith didn't make the adjustments necessary to stop McDavid. So, you know, it'll be neat to kind of see that in the next round if it ends up happening, especially because of the, you know, the relationship that we have with the Greyhounds, right? And, and kind of the, the similarities and the continuity there. So I think that'd be interesting. I think it'd be a great series. I,
2: I, I think so. Like, I think like, um, like, like Raptus obviously, I think made the right moves and put the team together, getting Richie and D'Angelo. And yeah. um like, so I think that'll be like, like, I think Keith maybe learned from that a little bit, but like yeah. no one's really been able to stop McDavid when he's going and has a little bit of a supporting cast Like, like that Erie team is pretty good. Like even losing McDavid the following year, like they were the number one team in the in the OHL, right? They went yeah. to the, the Memorial Cup final. So it's not like they're they're a horrible club and like yeah. we got beat by one guy. It's just like I don't know I i look back to that series and it was the year before I joined the staff and you, you look at how good that Hounds team was. Like I think they beat Oshawa and potentially win the Memorial Cup, but I just think at that certain point in the playoffs, Erie was was a was a tough out and it just didn't work out right. But um, so it'd be interesting, like like I don't know, like Joe Thornton was billeted at like a, like a, like a really good buddy of mine's house. Like, a as you know, Bono, like, and I remember yep. seeing him with, like the first day he came to the Sioux, like he walked into the house and we're all like, how big is this guy? How old is he? And like, now you see him walking around with like a yeah. massive beard and like, how great would it be to see him win a Stanley cup? Right. Like, yeah, like, like, I, I, I'm sure he'll be one, another one of those numbers that gets retired up uh, at the gardens too. So I think that's just, I think that's another cool thing about the Greyhounds you look up and like, nobody's got an OHL roster like that in the rafters.
1: Yeah. It's funny, you talk about, and I've told this story about Joe Thornton countless times. It's one of my favorite stories, but, you know, obviously we know where he where he was billeted, and if you remember his first year here, he was a tall, skinnier kid, right? And there was a stretch where he did not play well. And I don't remember, I, I think he was, I, I don't know if he was benched for a couple games or something happened, right? And he was told that he had to get stronger. And I remember hearing stories from, those people, you know, his billet family that it was right in the middle of winter and he woke up at six in the morning before school and went out and started shoveling driveways in the neighborhood for two weeks straight to try and get stronger. Right. And try and put on some muscle. And and that was kind of how he did it. Right. So I agree with you. I'd love to see, uh, you know, I'm not a Leafs fan by any means, but I am a Leafs fan right now because I want to see them do well because of the Sioux connection. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully, uh, hopefully we can have something to celebrate.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And like, yeah. there's tons of stories you can tell about Joe and like just seeing him around, like playing like NHL 97. When I remember watching the world cup in 96 sitting next to them in the, like my buddy's basement there and him saying, this won't happen when I'm on the team. And they played <laughs> the world cup in 2004 and he was the MVP of like, like the, like the finals. And you're like, the final game you're like that's pretty cool he called it right like eight yeah. years later like, like that's amazing
1: so, that's awesome i yeah, know dude. all right all right kyle we'll let you go because i know you got to prep for your next meeting but we'd love to have you on maybe after the draft and just kind of talk a little bit about your take on it and and uh we really appreciate you doing this man we really do thank you so much and best of luck going forward
2: yeah i know i appreciate you guys like bringing me on again That was a lot of fun the first time and uh, yeah. like certainly got a lot of positive feedback about it too so anytime you guys want to talk just just send me a text, Bono, you know where to find me. And uh, it's always great talking to people in Sault Ste. Marie. Can't wait to get back up there in the summer and hopefully back on the ice. So thanks awesome. again, Jim. Thanks a lot. Jay, I know nice, you're watching. Kyle, thanks nice again, buddy.
0: Good luck yeah. in the draft.
1: Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks very much. Take care, guys. Yeah, you too. Jim, again, just your overall thoughts.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I love talking to Kyle. I I, I, did, I never knew him before, like you did, uh, but he yeah. seems, seems like a really good guy and uh, uh, you know, he doesn't shy away from questions, and I and I yeah. like that. And uh, you know, he, he knows enough to say what he should say and what he shouldn't say. And uh, I love the insight uh, what what's going on in the draft room. And uh, he gave you a pretty generous uh, scouting report on you, but because uh, I think you to be nice. <laughs> but uh, that's right. I know real no. scouting report. You know, I, I actually I asked uh, I asked Chico Amaral uh, about you as a player. He actually says you're pretty good too. So. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Maybe we're a pretty good player. I don't know. I'll bring Jim. I'll bring the stats.
1: So for my double A year, I led the league in scoring by I think it was like 35 points. I was actually a pretty decent hockey player. People compared yeah. me to Phil Esposito. I would literally yeah, just put in that. And, and, yeah, that's, that's no, I, no, That's what I was when I played
0: that. That's yeah, like no one like would that. move me, and uh, I just put everything in. Matter, right?
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But no, yeah. I agree with you about Kyle. You know, you know, you kind of asked him a tough question about Matier and uh, i love the way that he answered it you know just really professional and and didn't shy away from it either so uh again i think that but that 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 just bodes well for the whole sue greyhound organization too right it shows that the organization is is open and honest and uh and just really nice to see absolutely
0: and i mean it's such an easy to easy take to say well why didn't you take the guy from the Sioux? and i mean the I, I love Jack Matira. Uh, you know yeah. he's a great kid. We had him on, and he comes from a great family. Amazing. Uh, the, Amazing. The, the Hounds have to have an obligation to take who they feel the best player at the time is, and yeah. and if Mateer ends up being better, God bless him, right? Because uh, that's great, right? So yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. couldn't agree more, Jim.
1: Before we go, I just want to get your take on the uh, NBA playoffs coming up. You know, the NBA playoffs start this week, and uh, just kind of your overall take on on what the NBA is doing and. And, you know, play in tournament, that type of stuff.
0: I, I think it's classic, the, you know, the, the NBA play in tournament. Uh, and funny thing is, Bono, they're using the uh, the page playoff system from uh, that they use in, in curling, right? They used to use it. Yeah. They don't use it anymore. The page playoff system, seven plays eight. Uh, loser plays the winner. Seven, get, the winner gets in. The loser plays the winner of nine versus ten. The loser of nine versus ten is out. So it's kind of fun. Uh, you know, the, the obvious take on that is the LeBron James angle. I, I am a LeBron James fan because uh, I stopped I stopped a few years back hating great players. He's a great player. He's a great athlete. I know he, he likes to be controversial, but he's a great player. The one funny thing I think about it is though, is the Lakers, who are one of the best teams in the NBA, they kind of tanked the season, right? They did a lot of, really? uh, a lot of what you call in the NBA now, load management, where they rested guys. You know, LeBron missed a lot of games. Davis missed a lot of games and so on and so forth. And now they find themselves in the 7-8 game against uh, Curry and then uh, a pretty tough uh, Warrior team. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of funny. And then, you know, like two weeks ago when the Lakers finally hit seven, LeBron comes out and says how stupid the play-in tournament yeah. is. And, uh, he, he hadn't said a word about that before that. So, uh, you know, uh, I think maybe hopefully it teaches teams, you know what, maybe we should take the season a little bit more serious. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of fans in the stands, but if, if you—if I'm going to looking at the NBA schedule and, and the Lakers are coming to town and I spend money, I, I want LeBron in the lineup, right? So uh, yeah, I think it's kind of funny. I, I do. I love the NBA. I love the late night games. I love to uh, watch the, the, you know, the 10 o'clock uh, Utah or Portland or wherever rolls in at those late games. I, I always like watching those uh, after everyone settles in in my house. So uh, I know you're not an, an NBA guy. NBA is a, is a funny thing where, you know, the best players win, right? It, it's it, there was I saw an argument yeah. on the other day where LeBron's championships are better than than Brady's championships, and to me that's just a silly statement because NBA two three stars and you have a great team. The NFL is the, the yeah. absolute uh, team um, thing, but the NBA has a series. Uh, it's easier to lose one game. It, yeah. the, normally the better team is going to win four out of seven, so i you know, kind of rambling on here, but uh, I think there's some interesting stuff going on. What's your take on the NBA, Bono? So
1: my the NBA, to me, is my least favorite league of all the professional sports. And the reason is simple. At the beginning of every season, you can take – I'll say – I'll be generous and say you could take four teams, and there's a 99% chance that one of those four teams is going to win the championship. It is the most anticlimactic professional sports league out there. The only time you can make the argument that a team won was the Raptors, right, when they kind of came out of nowhere and took that title. But even so, they were pretty powerful. The NBA, any league where 80% of your games are completely meaningless. You know, when there's a game when, you know, Milwaukee plays Detroit or, you know, uh, you know like Dallas is playing San Antonio, the game means nothing. The game literally means nothing because neither team has a chance to win. Right? Like to win, to, make, or to win the NBA title or to even maybe win a playoff series. It's just really frustrating to me the lack of, you know, just kind of parity in the league and, and how the players run the league. And I know that they're doing well money-wise, that type of stuff. To me, it's just anticlimactic because in the NBA, you will never see an eight seed beat a one seed in a, in a playoff series. You'll never see it. It won't happen. It happens in hockey every so often. It even ha- you know, it happens in other sports. It's just frustrating to me that the NBA is as popular as it is when it's so boring and so many games are completely
0: meaningless. It's interesting, though, Bono. You actually could see a seven seed beat a two seed this year if the Lakers are the seven seed yeah. to get Phoenix. Phoenix is a good team, don't get me wrong, but they, they could definitely beat them. Uh, uh, interesting thing, you bring up the Raptors there. Raptors to me, I, I mean, I'm I'm a Raptors fan. It's probably the only Toronto team I, I, I like, probably because mm. I enjoyed their their playoff championship run so much. Uh, I I find what they did this year really really disappointing. I mean, they they come in, they 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 don't trade Lowry, which hopefully they got a sign in trade lined up for him, or he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, and they then then, then then they tank after. They go right in the tank. Uh, they they had a big game against Washington, who was two games ahead of them. Washington was the ten seed. Chance to get in the playoff, and Lowry didn't play. The healthy Ahead scratched Didn't him. Yeah. play. Siakam didn't play. Like they all they wanted to yeah. lose to get in the lottery, and uh, I mean uh, I don't understand that. So to me, it's gonna be really interesting to see how this this Lowry plays out. If, if he walks yeah. for nothing, it's terrible. Terrible. They already let Kawhi walk for nothing, and I get that because they gave yeah. they gave Kawhi a big pitch, and they yeah. ended up leaving. That was worth the gamble. Yeah. Uh, that was how they won the championship. Lowry, who is the heart and soul of the franchise, uh, like him or not, he's he's a super leader. He plays hard, and it, and it looks like he might walk away for nothing because you, you hear reports that he wants to go to Miami and stuff like that. So unless they have a sign-in trade lined up, they really mishandled it to not trade him and then tank after, Completely unintentionally. Agree. And, yep. you know, I think the last two years since they won, I'm not sure how good a job uh, Masai has done. Masai is up for a new contract too, too. Uh, yeah, I know that's controversial because he built a championship team, but I'm not sure the last two. You know, last year after after Kawhi left, they they had no no big scorer, and this year they went in basically with the same thing, they, and they didn't even replace Gasol or and mm. uh, the the other big man there that left. They didn't re, they didn't really replace them, and they struggled, and they had a terrible season. I know they weren't playing at home, and I know all that stuff, but. Uh, you know, I think that's an interesting topic. What do you think about the Raptors
1: bottom? Yeah, I agree with you to a degree. Um, the one thing I will say about the Raptors is they do kind of get a free pass for me. i I think it's I think that home court advantage in Toronto is something that doesn't get talked about enough. You know, playing in playing at you know at the ACC in front of everybody, that is an amazing atmosphere. And for these players to have to play, you know, where they are, they're away from home, no fans, that's got to be tough to get up for every every game. I agree with what you're saying about Messiah. Um, my thing about him, though, is I'm giving him, he has about a five-year free pass for me, and I'll tell you why. The reason being is the intestinal fortitude it took for him to trade a guy like DeRozan at the yeah. time, and the way he pulled that trade off, Absolutely. and the guts that that had to take—can you imagine that? Trading a guy who's just beloved in Toronto, everyone loves him. He's a great player. He's the face of the franchise, and you're yeah, trading and the him for. There, was, there
0: was, at the time there was talk that Kawhi wasn't going to play at all. Right? That's
1: right, not play at all. And you yeah. have the and you have the guts to make that deal, you know, and, and bring in that player. I have so much admiration and respect for that. That is putting your neck on the line, right? And yeah. there was all sorts of talk about, oh, he told Duran he wasn't going to get traded and all this kind of stuff. I don't care about that. The fact he was able to pull that move off, he has about a five-year window for me where I'm going to give him a free pass because I think that he deserves it.
0: And I'm okay with you saying that. He's, but to me, he's used two years of those five now. Because mm-hmm. the last two years, I don't think he's done a great job. And you're right about them yeah. not playing at home, Uh I saw Fred van Vliet this morning he said that he liked like being in Tampa it was fun it was nice but it's not not where they they're, where they belong yeah. And yeah. He, he really likes being in Toronto hopefully with vaccines rolling out and stuff like that next year they can they can play at home and uh, everything goes back to normal but uh, one topic I want to bring up, Bono away from the NBA is uh, on our on our NHL playoff pre- preview show yeah. we laughed at the uh, Kucherov, uh prop bets, uh, three and a half goals seven and a half points and uh, he looked awfully good yesterday and I'm uh, in a super fast game and the, I, they were saying they were saying I was reading this morning that they said Kucherov's been healthy for a month and that the oh. only reason he couldn't come back is because of the salary cap Charlie. implications he was IR uh Kyle yep. mentioned it when he was on yeah. there they're seven they are now uh 17 million dollars over this the salary cap but it doesn't matter in the playoffs because the players don't get paid right that's so, right. Uh, they stashed him and he comes back and he looks he looked really good. And you know, I'm, one I day, think, one day into the playoffs, and we're wrong already, maybe.
1: That's right. I'm actually curious. We're gonna have another show with Dom DeLuca coming up. And I'm gonna ask Dom if he thinks that that this Tampa Bay team is gonna be the reason that that, that law or that, that rule changes. You know, I don't I don't know how it would look. I don't know how you change it. I don't know how you do it fairly. But you know you're right. There, what are these? You said they're 17 million 17 million over the million. top. That's what
0: they were saying this morning. Oh. The Leafs are over too, but not with the same caliber of player. But uh, no, not I mean, even close. Because they, they can bring Anderson back now, and uh, yeah. Riley Nash was hurt. He has a fairly been. Yeah. Big uh, so I mean, it's not the same caliber of player. But and I don't, I don't. I'm not blaming the teams. They're playing the system, right? They're no. they're doing what they got to do, right? And it's- it's just, but you know what? I, it's I agree a, with you. It's a, that's a really good point you made there, Bono. Is is Tampa Bay going to be the reason why they change that rule, or are they just going to let know. it go? And if you want to stash a guy, you stash a guy. It's, it's a good point.
1: Because, but also, you have to give Tampa. You know, I almost credit Tampa Bay and um, Kucherov because Kucherov has to want to do that too, right? If he's healthy a month ago, how many guys are going to say, "Okay, just sit me for a month"? You know, like Kucherov yeah. deserves deserves some credit for that. And it's almost like Bill Belichick kind of outsmarting the system. That's almost what I feel like Tampa Bay yeah. did right now. Yeah. Like, really.
0: Yeah, you're right. And it's kind of right. It's a rule that you're kind of stretching the rule, right? But it's a rule yeah. there. It's there for everybody. And uh, they, they used it. And they're there, you know. It'll yeah. be interesting. There's some good games on tonight. Jay's just saying now that it's 1 uh, 1 in the Tampa Boston game. Big game. Boston's going to have to win there. Boston, tonight. Washington. So uh, Sorry. I'll, I'll go watch that when we're yeah. done here. I think we're on tomorrow night with uh, Deluca. So uh, sounds good. He shaved his beard off too. So I, I think I bugged him too much about the, the white in there, and he okay. got embarrassed. So <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, oh, that's, that's awesome. About that. He likes to talk,
1: so we'll get him. Right uh, I know. Time. All right, Jim. Well, thanks so much, man. Love doing this with you. Nice, uh, nice seeing you again. And Jay, hopefully, uh, hopefully Jay feels better and he can join us next week. You know, the show's not the same without him. So Jay, oh, I know you're out there, and hopefully, you get back next week, bud.
0: Yeah, thanks, Bono. Always a pleasure, and I'll see you tomorrow night.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.